Welcome to Energy Unleashed, a unique podcast that kicks off each episode with an energy update of an actual client healing session from Suzanne Worthley, a full-time intuitive energy practitioner and holistic healer. Suzanne openly shares real client challenges and fears from health issues to personal relationships to ghosts and land hauntings to death and dying and more. Directly following each energy update, Suzanne invites co-host Kim Hess to join her in Unleash to present the human perspective, share real life experiences, and offer professional energy tactics to help you navigate life here on Earth and beyond. Welcome, everybody, back to another episode of Energy Unleashed. It is Suzanne Worthley here, along with Kim Hast. Hey, Kim. Hello. We're going to pull you in later. We start these energy updates out with actual energy sessions that I have with my clients. Being an energy practitioner, I'm really fortunate, I think, to have hands-on you know, opportunities to go through these sessions with these people that I work with, and then they give me permission on an anonymous basis to share their stories so that we can all learn from one another. And I think this particular one is going to be interesting because it has a little bit of paranormal to it. And it's going to be fun to unleash this with Kim in a little bit here. But I want to start out with the fact that this was a new client for me. I had never worked with her prior, and uh, she actually got referred to me by her partner, who is a long-term client of mine. And so um, the, I guess, just of the reason why the referral came was because this gal had spirits in her home. And my current client, who is her partner, goes down and visits this gal and has, you know, weekends where they hang out and, and, you know, spend time together. And when she goes to this home, she feels the activity. She sees how her partner changes. There's a lot of really um, emotional upheaval when these two get together. And they feel like it had a lot to do with what was happening in the home. And so I was kind of looking forward to meeting this particular new client and see what was happening. And I do a lot of this remote work by either FaceTime, sometimes Zoom, but mostly I was FaceTime. And so the minute that her face came onto the camera, it totally cracked me up because there was orbs flying all around behind her. And it was super funny to me because they were zinging all around her and they were swirling all around her. And I love that because it makes me just kind of giggle. Now, I have um, one of my sons, for anybody that knows uh, anything about me and my work, one of my sons does a lot of work with me, and he is my ghost buster. He is my orb buster. And he would probably just say it was specifically just catching light with dust. And that might be true, but then she must have had a really dusty house because these things were zinging (laughs) zinging around her head like crazy, and they were flying all over the place, and... In addition to just the orbs, though, she says that there is a lot of paranormal activity in her house and including actually a very distinct smell of smoke. And, you know, that can be kind of tough and hard because you're waking up thinking, oh, my God, my house is on fire. So this is um, kind of the starting point of where the session was. And we talked distinctly about the energy in the home really feeling negative. And then she also brought up the fact that when her partner, my other client, comes to stay with her for the weekend, 
that oftentimes they will have heightened um, arguments more so than if they're in a different kind of a place, like on a vacation or somewhere else. It's like the home itself sets off a lot of negative arguments for these two. And she said she can feel her body change when her partner engages with this negative arguing. And that's what they both had said before. So this change was part of the thing that they were very concerned about because she wanted to know if she indeed had some kind of an attachment or if there was kind of like some, you know, um, thing glomming onto her or if it was time for an exorcism. And all of that actually was not what turned out to be. And I'll get into in in a minute. But um, this gal, uh, not knowing anything about her, I asked a little bit about her upbringing, because immediately I could tell that there was really something going on with belief systems that were engaging with this negative energy. And so she is a gay adult woman, probably in her 50s. And as a child, um, she had a very difficult father. I believe she said he was like OCD about things like cleanliness and hand washing, if I'm if I'm keeping my clients straight. But regardless, she said that it felt very abusive as a child growing up. And it was very difficult for her family, especially her parents, to allow her to feel that she was gay and growing into that. They weren't having it. They were having none of that. And so they would force her basically to wear dresses and to act like a girl. And she knew that that was not her comfort zone. And so she was already at a very young age struggling with so much stuff. And she held almost all of this inside her. And what happened to her in an actual physical way was she held all of her emotions in, she held all of her shame in, she held all of her frustrations in. And when we hold our feelings in, it goes into our sacral chakra, which is our intestines, our colon, all of our uh, reproductive organs, and all of basically our elimination systems. And so what happened to her is she started to not be able to go to the bathroom, especially stool, in terms of, you know, um, elimination, and she would just not go. And this was all because also that her father wouldn't touch her, he wouldn't hug her, he wouldn't get near her because she was dirty. And this whole thing about being dirty, and then you're gay, and then this is a mess. And this just got to be really exacerbated. And she just did not eliminate any of her stool. And it got to the point as this young child that she literally ended up in the hospital. And I mean, that is in and of itself, really, really a sad piece to the story. And really, really, Um, shows that we can start a belief system at a very, very young age that validates our non-worth. This is part of what starts to happen, then turns into things like the way that my field of energy is projecting. When we sometimes go into a situation where it's a paranormal, potential paranormal thing, we find that it's actually the client itself that... um, is the one that is the kinetic, meaning the client itself is the one that draws in that negative energy. They are the one that is, um, I don't know, the calling card, let's just say. They're the one that's sticking out the bat signal. And so if that's the case, this negative feeling of self-worth is perpetuated for years and years and years, and it becomes an actual field of energy. This field of energy oftentimes can be very electric in what we call kinetic, and this can agitate and bring forward all kinds of other things. Now, there's another really big piece to this gal. She actually also, for her professional world, 
is a she's right now changing jobs but when we were talking she was just leaving a very long-term career of an abuse therapist of sorts she was a counselor that was in drug and alcohol counseling and so this is very very difficult also because we're spending our entire day around people who also have a negative energy field and this is never judging another person don't get me wrong here um, what this means is is that anybody that has a drug and alcohol issue and or is lots of you know lots of mental and emotional things that they're dealing with has what we would call a lower frequency vibration. They are it doesn't mean they're a bad person. It just means that they're lower frequency vibration. And anything that is of the paranormal world that is still stuck on this plane is also of a lower frequency vibration. And so we will oftentimes find that the therapist themselves, if they are not aware of how to, I don't know, cut those cords, walk away from their clients, um, make sure that they're not taking any of that energy home. Additionally, we'll bring in even more negativity into their home. So this poor gal was just getting hit from all angles. I mean, she had it from her childhood. She had it from, you know, her her actual career. She had it from um, just all kinds of different reasons. And it just keeps layering up and loading up in the house. So this is why a lot of the so-called paranormal energy will happen because she is the kinetic. And it doesn't mean she's, you know, a bad person. She just didn't understand what was actually happening. So these huge energies were present and drawn into her home. And then she would get even more upset and angry. And then God forbid when her um, partner would come and their arguments would escalate, that would just be like fuel for the fire. So Another thing about this particular client is she is known as a Claire Cognizant. So she has a lot of psychic skills. And I believe a lot of the reason why her father had a difficult time from her for the beginning, not just because of the gay issue, but and his OCD issue, but she also is extremely psychic. And psychic children oftentimes can make the parent very uncomfortable, either known to them or unknown to them. And there is all different kinds of psychic skills. And Claire means a sense of heightened whatever. And so there's like clairsentience, claircognizance, clairvoyance, etc. And so cognizance means that it is a heightened sense of knowing. This is a very powerful skill, yet it is a very difficult skill for many because it works like this. I just know. Well, how do you know? I don't know how I know. I just know. I just know that I know. And then people will look at you like, whatever, you're just a, you know, kind of snobby little know-it-all. And the hard part is, is you usually end up being right almost all of the time, which then adds another layer to this, because now if I'm right, I sit there and look at you like, why didn't you believe me in the first place? And I kind of want to rub it in your face that I was right because I want to validate that I was right. So this is a thing that can happen to people that really starts to um, build another belief system that is difficult to work with, meaning I need validation from outside of myself that I am right. And this can start to create kind of a bossy personality um, kind of a like a, a controller personality. I'm going to tell you everything about the way that you should do it because I'm usually right. And the hard part is, is when they don't listen, then what happens is it triggers my very old childhood um, beliefs of, see, I'm not good enough. So this poor client was in a really big loop pattern of, see, 
I know I'm right, but you don't think I'm right. Now you didn't listen. So now I want to be mad at you. And now you think that I'm the know-it-all and on and on this goes. And all it does is validate that I'm really not good enough. I'm not one to listen to. I'm not valid enough to listen to. And she was just looping in all of these poor ways. And this was really starting to affect her relationship with the other gal. And so this is then turns into, I always attract the same kind of a partner. And she said that, literally said that. I don't know why I always attract the same kind of a partner. I always feel like I have, you know, a lower vibrational partner of sorts and and I need to help them or fix them. And part of this is what she was struggling with with her current partner. Not that my other client, her partner, has a lower vibration, but it's just this whole thing about that I know more and that I'm going to save you and that I'm going to fix you. So I started to educate this particular client about what we would call the hero archetype. And the hero archetype, what an archetype means is, is that this would be a pattern of how I think and then react and act. And some people carry what we would call the hero program, meaning I'm going to be the one to help you. I'm going to be the one to fix you. I'm going to be the one. And this is not um, meaning that she's doing anything wrong, but it is a very programmed reaction and action that will keep her in that loop pattern. And so when I started to help her maybe open up her, her thought processes to the fact that the reason that you keep attracting the same kind of a partner is, is because you are sending out the same kind of a signal. You are the one that is sending out, I want to be with someone that needs to be fixed so that I can step into the hero program and be validated that I'm wonderful. And this is how humans do this. We all do this. There's nothing really, really unique about this client in terms of this relationship problem. Because a lot of us will do this flipping and flopping back and forth of, you know, I think I have to fix you. I think I have to make it okay for you. And Kim and I are going to unleash this part big time because this is a huge thing for many, many people, not just this client. So I appreciate this client, you know, being allowing us to step into her relationship issues and share because we can all learn from these archetypal programs, especially the hero. So, um, yeah, she she is is really struggling with a lot of these issues. And funny enough, this whole entire session started out because of the paranormal and it turned into a heck of a lot more. So I think that that's super interesting. But I do um, I'm going to bring Kim in now. I do, Kim, love the fact that um, it was initially about crazy stuff going on in her house. And I think that that's, you know, we don't get to talk on on Energy Unleashed a whole lot about paranormal quite yet. We haven't really come across a lot of uh, customer stories on this. And so it's kind of fun, I think, because you do a lot of paranormal stuff with me mm-hmm. as, as partners in work. And we do a lot of you know, paranormal work up at this place we go to at the Palmer House. It's in um, northern Minnesota, and it's a very haunted hotel. And Kim helps a lot with an event that I run up there where we teach people about paranormal and spirits and negative spirits and negativity. And, you know, gosh, let's just start out here maybe and talk a little bit more about that because it's so difficult for people to understand that negative energy has a right to be here in a paranormal way. Oh, right. I... And I think it's hard for people who maybe haven't spent a lot of time on paranormal to even understand what you mean by electric energy or kinetic and yep. and how that attracts. And so when you think about negative energies that are just kind of hanging around, it's kind of creepy, but um, they, they're, they are they're, here. They're, they're here. here. Yeah. They're around. And, and, they, and I think what I really 
try to teach. And again, any podcast we're doing, take what resonates, toss the rest. But my philosophy in teaching is, is that it has a right to be here. And that's hard for people to understand because the the reaction of even anything and anybody wants icky stuff to go away. We mm-hmm. want something to go away that's not good. And it's not that we're not going to make the energy go away. What what the goal is, is to raise your own frequency to a vibration that that negative energy can't find. It's almost like a stealth bomber or a Harry Potter invisibility cloak. You can learn to raise your own frequency, which allows that negativity to be there, but it can't find you. It just doesn't like does not find like the law of attraction does not any longer allow you to necessarily even know it's there, much less need to participate with it. Does that make some sense? It does. And and I think the idea that, um, you know, for this person, she was, it was they were following her home. I yeah. mean, they go with her, or attach or stay with her as she goes through the day. And that's, it's like, for me, I think about, oh my gosh, what happens when you go into a hospital? Like, what do you, I mean, for anybody walking through a certain situation, you can get that type of energy if you're in that vibration. Yep. And and again, these are never posted to scare anybody there for you to be aware of. And a hospital is a great one because I swear to God, sometimes I say, (laughs) I think, eventually someday there will be energy practitioners hired in hospitals just to walk through the halls and clear shit because Mm -hmm. there is so many attachment opportunities there. There really is because we're in vulnerable states. We're in medicated states. We're out of our body already in a surgery. You know, we're near death experiences, et cetera, et cetera. Those are grounds for all kinds of stuff in negative ways Mm -hmm. for sure. And especially because it's all fear-based. It is. My daughter had that situation. Remember I, um, my oldest daughter, she had a head injury. Oh, that's right. And so in that's the why, hospital, that's why I met you. Hennepin, yeah. you know, Hennepin um, Trauma Center. Yep. Um, she picked something up while yep. she was there, and it was weeks of intense fear for her. She felt like somebody was watching her all the time. Yep. She would be in the bathroom with the door shut and felt like somebody was watching her. And what that is called for listeners is an attachment. That is not mm-hmm. like, oh, it didn't jump in my body, and I need an exorcism. I mean that actuality is kind of rare. It is real, but it's not as um, easy to pick up as a hitchhiker. And mm-hmm. oftentimes we will pick up hitchhiker energy and it will dissipate on its own in a, in a fairly easy manner, in a quick manner. However, in your daughter's case, um, you know, it, it hangs on you and it feeds off of you. And oftentimes a hitchhiker can love your energy and suck you dry so much that you actually start to merge with it and you pick up their attributes. Like all of a sudden, what the heck? I like, uh, I want a cigarette. I don't even smoke. What's that about? You know, and, <laughs> and that, can, yeah. that can happen. You know, right. I mean, it really can happen. I'm still looking for the hitchhiker that's going to help me lose 20 pounds. <laughs> the one that does aerobics five hours a day. Yeah. Yeah, and it doesn't really want like, you know, three glasses of wine. Right. I mean, where's that hitchhiker? But <laughs> But yeah, like, why would they stick around, right? Um, But uh, I think that this is a very common thing. And when we have a therapist, especially that's dealing with drug and alcohol, um, not that I'm saying therapists are uneducated, but the traditional training of a therapist and or counselor does not really include a whole lot about the energy field and the auric bubble and the boundaries and the healthy boundaries of empathing, etc. And most of the people that I know that are therapists, and I have many, many clients that are, um, are empaths 
mm-hmm. and they take on everybody's energy. And an empath is different, by the way, for listeners than an empathy. Empathy is I can walk in your shoes, I can feel your pain. Empathing means I take your shoes, mm-hmm. I wear them, and I ingest them, and I you know live it out as my own. And this is very common because many therapists actually come mm-hmm. from childhoods, as was this case from abusive childhoods. And this is great because they can have empathy for their clients, but most of them, unbeknownst to themselves, are empathing. Do you know, in high school with my counselor, I actually considered being a social worker. And I knew within a half hour, I could never do that because I was, I'm an empath. I didn't understand what that meant at the time. That's pretty cool. But I knew I would Like be, you intuitively knew? I knew I couldn't do it. It was not, I was not supposed to do that. Because I, wow. I, well, you know, I'm the person that walks into a funeral home and I'm sobbing. I don't know why. <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I didn't understand that for so many years. And, and here I, was, I grew up in one I going, was, why is everyone I know, crying? Right? I used to babysit at what I, <laughs> a funeral not, home. But anyway. Not being flippant about death, yeah. but I was always like, why is everyone crying? They're right. supposed to be dead. <laughs> but go back to this client because um, if she is attracting all of those different orbs and energies, yeah. like what does that feel like for her? overwhelmed first and foremost and a lot of times the empath just feels like they are you know the empath is a doer and a goer and a go 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 and they are pushed for outside validation and many people do not even understand empathing and um you know my my future here is to get more information and training out on that specific subject much less my next book because it's really important for us to understand how many people are empathing, taking other people's energies, and it's to their detriment. And it really does, um, I don't know, erode, I'm going to say, the actual auric bubble in the field and the grounding of our own self. So we're overwhelmed, we're tired, we become resentful, we become angry. And this is very important to understand that this will trigger all of her own trauma from childhood. Mm. And so oftentimes the therapist is working with people, but just like me, we have to walk our own talk. If I am not an energy worker that is cleaning up my own house, I better the hell do it because I don't have the right to sit on this side of the table when I'm still not working my own belief systems through. And I think everybody's responsibility is that therapist or not, you know. Um, But it's very difficult because we will oftentimes just trigger old beliefs and we don't know we're doing it. So I'm going to jump further into um, this part about when her, her eyes would change is what my original client who referred her, okay, my original client referred the gal I'm working with now. And she said, when I go down there and hang with her for the weekend and we get in an argument, she said, Suzanne, it's like her eyes go black. It's like she's scary. And she literally thought that she was possessed from this negative energies in her house and the paranormal. She thought that she was, to some extent, carrying something really deep inside her that was almost maybe even demonic because she said her eyes would go black or almost like dark or dense. And I, and I, when I scanned her, I know immediately with somebody that I'm scanning if they've got something in them or where mm-hmm. the extent of it is, or is it an attachment or what it is. And I knew when I scanned this new client immediately, she was not possessed. It was mm-hmm. not inside of her. It was outside of her and affecting her. But what I explained the eyeball thing was, was something actually very different. And what that is, is, and I do this with my own husband, I'm very adept at watching this. We have what's called like our, um, our holographic projection of our own self. This will come 
forward in a way that is actually running information on our templates. So if we can imagine we have our meat body and then around our meat body is layers and layers of our aura. And if you want to think of it like your meat body is the middle of the jawbreaker and then all of the other colors going out farther and farther on the inside of that jawbreaker hold different templates of your aura. So one is about our emotions, one's about our thoughts, one's about our spirit, etc. And when oftentimes we are engaged in an argument and we have these kind of like weak fields, what happens is, is we can project outward these beliefs, these fears, these thoughts, these emotions onto these holographic fields and we kind of look different. We will lose almost like the clarity of our actual body. And I see this with my husband. I learned this years ago. My husband, Chuck, has a lot of childhood trauma as well. And he had a father who was very, very loud and very, very negative and very commanding. And my husband was trained to be run from conflict, be like the mother's side of the family, run away. And so anytime Suzanne and Chuck would get in an argument, when my voice would get to a certain frequency, and it wasn't even necessarily the words that I was using, it was the proximity of my body to his and the voice frequency vibration. And when that would get to whatever level would trigger inside of Chuck, then he would revert back to old childhood trauma I need to run away from conflict. This is my father I'm fighting with. And he literally would do that. Blank eyes in his holographicness would change and he would be non-participatory. He's not in there. And this to someone who is uneducated would obviously look like, what the hell is going (laughs) on? Right. Oh my gosh. And so to my original client, she's like, I don't even know what's going on. And I said, this is actually pretty common, and I learned it years and years ago, and it's it's being able to be adept at your own psychic skills and recognizing, oh, I just lost my husband here. He's not fighting the real fight. The argument isn't real. This is no longer the words, the actions are not ours. He's fighting with his father as a seven-year-old son. Mm-hmm. And so this gets to be a crazy common thing, and yet most people don't have psychic ability to be able to see that shift or that change in the auric field. And yet you can see the eyes deaden. Mm-hmm. I no, mean, I, that's because I, once you, you know, now that you're talking about that, I've seen that. Really? With, well, my husband, <laughs> rarely. <laughs> it's always with our spouse. I know, but, and then I'm thinking about my parents. Yeah. Right. That there's just that point where it's like beyond return. You, yeah. You know, it's time to step away because the fight isn't real. It all changes. Their, and you're never going to win. Their facial, everything changes. And their body structure and their mm-hmm. posture and everything. And and even think about it. I mean, think about back to your actual corporate career, too. If you had some oh, kind of yeah. asshole boss, you know, we've all had one somewhere <laughs> along the way. And that asshole will do the same exact mm-hmm. thing because they're posturing in terms of coming forward as the control freak. Mm -hmm. So if they're being challenged on a victimization weakness, they're going to pop forward and be the control freak. And so it's fascinating to me because the actual human body changes in an auric way and we don't even recognize it. So we continue to fight and we get nowhere. And I I can, I'll be the first one to stand up and say, I've done that before. And, and the change, I didn't understand it at the time at all. Um, but that posturing and the whole control piece of that mm-hmm. being in the business world, mm-hmm. especially as a woman at a certain point in time, yeah, I have sadly to say that, still. right. Yeah. 
um, that I definitely have gone to that place before. Yeah. And so I, I feel bad. Like now I'm like, how could I do that? Because I'm not really that person anymore. Well, and I think what's so amazing about this concept, you know, I, I was writing uh, the chapter in my book, the empath book the other day on this. And I was admitting this book, I'm actually being much more vulnerable about my own, you know, weaknesses and challenges. And I was writing specifically about how that happens with Chuck. And I went on for an even further um, disclaimer in terms of my family, I witnessed one time at a holiday gathering where my adult four children were sitting at a table. I think it was like an Easter thing at my brother's house or something. And, you know, it was the huge extended family. God forbid, pre-COVID when you could have 40 people all having fun, you know. Um, but they they were all together. And one of my sons was dating a new gal. And my daughter had her little judgmental flippant comments zing out at him just to kind of be, you know, just she was just in one of those. She's just doing that yeah. thing that yeah. sibs do. And she threw down some comment to her brother and I was amazingly present with it all to witness the minute that that happened my son returned a flippant comment to her and then all of a sudden this whole orc thing started to happen between the two of them and because I watch it with my husband I started to go oh my god I can actually see this is happening right here Mm -hmm. And they were going back and forth and back and forth. And what is happening is, as we start to fight deeper and deeper on the beliefs. So when I challenge you with that chick that you're going to date, why are you doing that? And then it's like, wait a minute, you just challenged my ability to pick a person. So you're really challenging my worth. And then it goes back to this worth thing. And then the old belief systems of worth or non-worth are what are starting the fight, right? So as these two are fighting... This is so bizarre how this happened. Another one of my children, the oldest, jumped in because the oldest has belief systems about conflict as well. Mm -hmm. And he doesn't want to have conflict. And so he didn't want the boat to be rocked and he wanted to make it all better. So he jumped in from a different perspective, which then shot across the room. And my mother, all the way halfway through the next room, joined in to this blah, blah, blah crap that's going on because her belief system is, oh my God, if those kids are all arguing, that must mean that I didn't parent my daughter correctly because... (laughs) Are you following how crazy this is? I am. This is real shit. I'm telling you. Seriously. And they went on and on. And then my brother jumped in because this is my home and yada, yada. And this just, and, and it was the most fascinating auric thing you've ever seen. Because again, with psychic sight, you can literally start to see the cords of energy twisting and manipulating. And this is how mass crazy stuff goes awry in 2.5 seconds because no one is actually articulating and fighting truth. Mm -hmm. They are fighting really contorted beliefs. And I remember my daughter who initiated it in the first place finally got so pissed off that she threw up her hands and said, screw all of you, I'm going home. And she literally got up and left the building. (laughs) Elvis has left the building. (laughs) And she just said, I'm done. And she walked out, which was probably the most healthy thing to break the actual, you know, crap that was going on, because it was all false. It was Mm -hmm. all false. And this is something that can happen more often than not, because these belief systems in this auric body of ours is carrying so much stuff that isn't real. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I I tried really hard to explain it in the chapter of that book, because this is how we will find lots and lots of family dynamics go on. Absolutely. Yeah. 
I'm looking forward to the big holidays, though, so we can have a little, little, little <laughs> rouse everybody up and see how things are going. You, you know, know, and you can. You can right. really watch Oracle at family functions. It's very, very interesting to me. But, I mean, think of this particular client, how difficult it was for her for beliefs since day one to have not only an OCD dad that was already freaked out about so-called cleanliness mm-hmm. and washing hands and I don't want to touch you, and that directly relates to an elimination process, you know. And the body not being clean enough to even allow itself to function and much less than we add the layer of being gay on top. So I'm broken and then I'm broken and then I'm even more broken. And this is what this is what happens to our belief systems right out of the gate. And she can probably even in adulthood have a great in fact think she said that she has a fairly good relationship with her dad because he's kind of grew out of his OCD and everything is, you know, different now and we Mm -hmm. can communicate and blah, blah. But I I think that this is still really super difficult because what's done is done in terms of embedded beliefs, unless you're really doing some serious work to get rid of them. I mean, that's so tough as a child. I mean, you're, you're just looking for love. You're looking to, for that hug. You're looking for that, um, you know, unconditional place and to not have that in so many situations yep. yourself, that, and you, I mean, I, the guards that you put up and what you bury deep, what you're talking about in her beliefs mm-hmm. and the unworthiness that she's felt. I, I mean, that I can't imagine how long it takes to work through that. And we all have levels of this, no matter if we grew up in the Brady Bunch oh, or yeah. not, you know, Absolutely. I mean, oftentimes, and people are probably getting to the age where I can't use that reference anymore, because no one knows who the Brady Bunch is at a certain point. <laughs> um, but we grew up in a family there that, you know, was typical fighting, but there was not literal verbal abuse in any way, shape or form. And I still as an adult was really doing some deep examining about my belief systems of, you know, that parents gave. And the other day I gave my four adult kids, literally gave them all a gift to go see another kind of a practitioner to do some energy work and body work to get rid of any belief systems that I gave you. I seriously said that I am gifting you a session to go dump any beliefs that no longer serve you because I had no idea what I was doing. I was just a a young person having babies. Yeah, I with my kids, same thing. I, I I've apologized because <laughs> you know, I you basically do what you were taught to do. Right. And and while I varied from that in, in some ways, um, it's still that that core um, like family tree that you're you're kind of fighting against and, and society tree and lineage tree and DNA tree and the oh, whole tree 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 all yeah. of it yeah it's all very very it. difficult and mm-hmm. so everything in this work always comes down to belief systems and this actually applies back to this client case too because if I truly do believe that my house is full of crap and dark energy and demons if I believe my partner thinks that I've got something in me trust me, you will even bring in more of the same because this is how powerful the human is. So when we believe in something, we can co-create it and or draw in more of it in a very, very easily way. And then it validates the fear even farther. So this house does become a kinetic magnet and kinetic means I'm, I'm, it's like, it's like, you know, it's like sparks coming out of me. It's like little kind of a, um, it's electrical well, oh, it, energy. Yeah, right? and it feels like you're standing in a puddle with your finger in the light socket. It's one of those deals, <laughs> right? Yeah, that's uncomfortable. Yeah, and so you're you're like gig, 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 out mm-hmm. there, and so this is a tough personality anyway. So when it comes to the paranormal, 
what that does is, is it sends out so many bat signals. Come play with me. I'm really good food and electric energy for something that has a low frequency is like taking a Red Bull hit. Mm -hmm. I mean, the entity that is a ghost energy and or something that's trapped or negative or dark is loving a kinetic even more than anything because it's like, yeah, this is like a Red Bull hit. And so they love kinetic energy. And it's very, very difficult because we don't realize that we're feeding them. We just think we're getting sick or tired or depressed or resentful. And yet you still love it. Like you're saying that the the actual orb or spirit loves it or yeah. is that person loving it? Yeah. Um, I think both. that I think that it's both in terms yeah. of some of it because the orb or the spirit, let's just use those words, are coming in and feeding off that field. But the actual person is also loving it. Let's actually put it in the context of her day. She's loving the empathing and taking the drug addicted clients energy. Mm -hmm. So she's getting the Red Bull hit. It's like a pass of the football. So watch how that happens. I'm having my day. I go into the office. I think I'm helping all my clients, which I am. But if I'm not a trained empath, I take all their crap home. So I feel actually exhausted and tired. But in my mental state, I feel like the hero. I helped everybody. I'm wonderful. Now I come home depleted. And I come into an energy in my house where I all of a sudden now I'm feeding that other energy. So we keep passing the football if we want to use that metaphor. It's just like a circle of energy movement. Yeah. And nobody even knows they're doing it. Yeah. And just think, then her partner comes to town and then her partner comes in with, oh, I haven't seen you in so long. I love you. I love you. And then we start out in these really euphoric love things, Mm -hmm. which then turns to now I'm all of a sudden sucking you dry and you're sucking me dry. And now we're right back to the belief systems. And then I turn into the, I don't have any eyeballs because we went right back to my non-worth. It's just, (laughs) right. right, It's exhausting. Oh my gosh. And you know, and that happens not only um, for someone who's working in that field, but being in a corporate office or working in retail or working oh, any place anywhere teachers yeah, nurses you name it putting up your boundaries yeah. of some kind and cutting the cords and remember paranormal activity is everywhere and mm-hmm. i love you know when people are like oh i i live in a really old house it must be haunted <laughs> no it has nothing to do with the date it has to do with the land it has to do with what happened in the area it has to do with the collective fields it has to do with the person there is nothing about the space or the place it has to be or not be to be haunted or not haunted Mm -hmm. at all right so that's not even a thing but yeah I think it's just super interesting that this has has turned into a lifestyle of hers that she was just absolutely feeling that this was a big huge paranormal problem and it really was the least of the problem so then when you're working with her from a um, energy healer perspective and and understanding what's happening to her as or with her as a kinetic energy. How did you well? What, what did you have her do, or what is she? I think where where the light bulb was starting to go on is when we were starting to hit the concept of her psychic skills because being psychic is part of the way she knew that the place was haunted. First mm, of all, okay, and um, that led us to more of a conversation of being cognitive. And claircognitive, I'm going to tell you, is a tough one because I'm claircognitive. I have all of the clairs, but claircognitive has been a heightened skill for me since day one. And a claircognitive is always seen as you just think you're pretty hot stuff because you know everything and you think you know everything. This has been a this has been a husband problem too, <laughs> because because. I usually am right. And it's not because I'm cooler or better. I just have the psychic hit. And he's like, you always think you're right. And, I, and then I say, yeah, but I really I am. am right. 
and and it's not arrogance it's like an inner knowing and it's and it's a, an alignment to and i'm not always right don't get me wrong but i mean it, a cognitive is very it's very hard because then people are like, for example, I'll say we should go do this. And then he would say like, well, why? And then because I just know we should. Well, why do you know we should? I go, I don't know why I know. I just know. And then and so he, he over the years, though, I got to give Chuck credit in terms of he's really over the many years of together. I'll um, come to to a place where if I've got that feeling he does trust it now, mm-hmm. which is kind of cool because he just knows that I know. Yeah. And it, again, this isn't about everything in life. It's not like, oh, I know everything. But the cognitive is very difficult. So when we started on that subject matter, this particular client started to understand, oh, well, yeah, I mean, this has been a struggle in my life, period. This has been a relationship problem, not just with a partner, but with everything and everybody. And she said, she's very mechanical. And she said, I just know things about like, for example, motors or cars or stuff like that. And I said, oh my God, that's so funny because one of the cognitive things I did was I remember this absolutely, um, my oldest son and Chuck were out doing something in one of the cars and they were trying to figure out what was wrong. And I know zero, nothing, nothing, nothing about a car. And I was walking out and I go, what are you guys doing? And they're like, we can't figure out why this won't fire and what's actually going on. And I looked at the motor and I looked at, I scanned it like with my psychic guys and I stuck my finger and I go, the problem's right there. And they're like, oh, whatever. <laughs> and my kid, oh my God, and my you know husband, you're a dork. And sure shit. That's what it was. Yep. And I don't even know what I pointed at because I don't know. I didn't even know what it was. I just scanned it and yeah. I could see the stuck energy. And so... That's one of those ones where you can just laugh until the cows come home afterwards. But what, it wasn't funny for her. What she was finding was she was resentful because people wouldn't know she was right. And they wouldn't allow her to be validated as being right. So this is the problem that kicked her into the loop pattern of non-worth. Mm-hmm. And so her cognitive skills and ability was really to her detriment, whereas mine, I just kind of laugh them off more. Um, because I think over the years, I've just sort of trained myself a little bit differently. Not that I don't rub it in people's faces periodically, because I, I, you know, I've been known to do that. Well, and when you don't understand it, I think, think about it as a child. Yeah. You just know it, you have that hit, you say whatever, and people don't believe you. Yeah. You know, so then depending on how you handle it going forward, I would bet a lot of people hide it. They don't even say anything sometimes because they don't want to even deal with it. I told her actually, not hide it, but I told her something similar. So it's good that you brought this up. One of the things that I told her can assist her Mm -hmm. is to be able to not necessarily hide that you're right, but you don't have to articulate that Mm -hmm. you're right. Okay, so let's do it this way. I say, you know, Kim, I really think that this is going to happen or you should really, you know, consider this. And you go, yeah, whatever. And you don't. And then it absolutely happens, Mm -hmm. right? I, at this point, do not have to come back to you and rub it in your face that I already knew it and I already saw it and I already had it. But what I talk to the client about is, is you do get to, if you choose to, own the fact that you were right. Mm-hmm. And you want to do that to some extent because it's important for us to validate and and uh, gratify our gift. Mm-hmm. But we don't have to gratify the gift on smashing it into the other person's face right. <laughs> see because you become the bossy know-it-all nobody yeah. wants to spend time with you if you're going to be the bossy know-it-all but if we don't gratify the cognitive gift and the alignment to the source or the guidance mm-hmm. then what we start to do is we sort of dis the guidance and it doesn't necessarily always go away but it doesn't command a front seat mm-hmm. 
in driving our day. And so this is a fine balance for her. So I said, one of the things that you could choose to do if you wanted to is learn to validate differently. Mm-hmm. Self-validate. Self-validate in the car after you leave or go talk in the mirror or talk out loud. I do a lot of talking out loud. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I do too. <laughs> yeah, like in the car, or, you know. Um, so there's a lot of things that I will do to self-validate. And I think this was a very important turning point for her in that. I think that that was part of it. One of the things that was really difficult for her was to find out that she was a hero archetype and she didn't even know what an archetype was. And so for a lot of us, we don't understand that we're holding patterns of behavior mm-hmm. and archetypes are very interesting. I think it's Carolyn. You read Carolyn yeah, Ness. Yeah. Right. You read she, her she a lot. She does all of them. And um, what actually, book is that? That's a whole book that she has. Um, gosh, let me think about the book. Um, well, I think it's, the archetypes. I think right. I think that's, that's it. That's I think it's just book. archetypes. And she also has a oracle deck or whatever yeah. that you can use. Literally, you know, that's, the that's the name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so that was a tough one on our right. <laughs> <laughs> Duh. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean that's a great book in, yeah. in learning about the archetypes because we all have archetypes and and, and we can change them, mm-hmm. but oftentimes we will come in with a dominant one because it directly ties into our belief system. So as we change our belief systems, those archetypes might go away or change or modify. But when we have the hero archetype, it's really difficult because the hero oftentimes will directly align with being an empath. So what an empath does is I'm going to go take care of you. I'm going to fix you. I know better than you. If you would only listen to me about this, I can make you not have to hurt. I can take your pain. I can do that for you. When we're doing all of those kinds of actions with a belief system over that, meaning I know better, then you add in this poor thing had cognitive awareness on top of it. She really does know better. Um, That becomes a very difficult loop pattern to get out of by being the hero. And the hero is tough because... Once you're a hero, then you need to be a hero again and again and again. So it's like an addiction, mm-hmm. isn't it? Because you you just you um you need that validation, and while you think your intentions are really genuine pure and genuine to help somebody, they're really not. No, you're giving your power away every time you go down that path. Well, what you're actually doing, and when I tell my clients this, every single time their faces just fall to the ground. What I tell them is, is what you're actually doing is this saying, if you were different, I would love you more. Oh, that's so hard. Oh, my goodness. That's a punch in the gut, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, really think about it. Yeah. I want you to not act that way or feel pain or be angry or be sad. And what I'm actually doing is, is I would be more comfortable around you if you weren't sad. And that's exactly her childhood. Yeah. Because, you know, you, you have to act like a girl. You need to wear dresses. You, I'm not going to hug or touch you because you're not clean. I would clean. love you more if you were different. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my gosh. Wow. That's a lot to go through. And, you know, I suck at this, too, sometimes still, even though I teach it and I do it and I do it mm-hmm. all day long with clients. I have a wonderful daughter who is really great at keeping me on task with some things. And just the other day, she was having a really crappy day and... She called and she was, you know, blah, blah, blah. And, and I, she said, I'm just really sad. And I flipped into the, the teacher mode and said, yeah, but you could blah, blah, blah. And she goes, mom, <laughs> I just want to be sad. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> you have every right to choose to be sad. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, literally, I just, I love when she calls me on the carpet yeah. on that because she's like, just let me 
be sad. And I was going to teach her out of sad, you know? I mean, some people want to fix it out of sad. I want to take your sad. I'm really not, I'm not the one that any longer takes anybody's sad because I have trained myself not to do that, but I will teach my way out of sad for you. And that's not good either. That's not fair either. And she gets to be sad. And so I love when she calls me on the carpet for that stuff, because I also some days just want to be freaking sad yeah. and I want to be pissy and I want to be, you know, in third grade again, even though I'm 61 years old, I want to be pissy. And so those are all okay, as long as it doesn't turn into an extended behavior, which then, of course, is going to slip into depression. Mm-hmm. So there are boundaries to those feelings as well. And the ultimate goal is to feel the feel. Mm-hmm acknowledge the feel, understand where that feel is anchored in and where that belief comes from, and then re-examine, does that belief even serve me any longer? And if it does not, how do I, if I choose, when I choose, and how I choose, move that through? How do I move that sad through? Yeah, because as you're going down at the journey of healing, it, these, you know, this comes up, it bubbles up for whatever reason, kind of over and over yep or it bursts out with black eyeballs like these two have when they have you know violent arguments and whatever the emotional situation is of of that time and whatever you're going through in that that moment but um like you said when you're when you're working on moving it through you know what is that like i mean i i understand for myself but it's really it's acknowledging it Mm -hmm. and then um you know what Explain what you teach. Well, a really great that. way that I actually teach it and visualize it is a ball of twine. And we're so scared of the scared of the scared. And so think of what a ball of twine, old fashioned twine looks like. It's all gross and it's hairy and it feels like crap and it's yeah. all in a ball and it's a mess. And when we're in that that phase, we're in the, oh my God, I'm not even going to do that. And so if we carefully just sit down and start to undo the wind of the ball mm-hmm. and we take our time and we examine it. That starts to unwind it and we start to look at all the pieces, but it goes further than that. And twine is a great one because each of the little things are little creepy, gross hairs that make up that twine. And if you pull one hair out and you examine that hair, it starts to just go, seriously, is that what I'm scared of? Do I even think I believe that anymore? And the more it gets almost humorous, it gets almost silly. And nobody takes the time necessarily. I shouldn't say nobody, but oftentimes we don't take the time to go there because it's so much easier being scared of the scared. Mm -hmm. And if I'm scared of the scared, then I can be pissy. I can be angry. I can run the victim mode. I can be the controller. I can play with the upper tiers of all of the stuff that isn't necessarily real. So that ball of twine is a great metaphor and visualization for somebody that just wants to go deep enough. Now, Mm -hmm. when I've got the hairy thing in my fingers and I've decided, oh my God, I do not have anybody that tells me at this point in my 50 year old life that I can't not dress like a girl. I get to do whatever I want to with my wardrobe. Nobody's going to make me wear a dress. And it isn't anger anymore. It's a realization of I'm fully empowered in this. So what do I want to do with that one little hair? And I want to dress the way that I want to do it. And I can do a ton of things. I can, you know, go on a beautiful self-care day. I can let it go by burning a candle. I can literally look at an old photograph of me when I was sitting in a stupid dress when I didn't want to be. And I can do a wonderful ritual burn on that and Mm -hmm. let it go. I can, you know, go look at the clouds and let the fluffiness envelop me because my dad never did. And on and on and on. This is where... Mm -hmm creativity comes in. And so as a practitioner, it's very important for me to give 
thoughts and tips and guidance, but I never get to, nor should anyone tell you what to do mm-hmm. because the creativity is where the healing comes. Well, and I think what's important about everything that you said is visualization makes all of the difference mm-hmm. in understanding that layer, whatever's coming up and understanding, you know, really listening to, to your internal voice, um, what that means, um, because it's super emotional. It is, um, like you said, fearful, like mm-hmm. all of those different emotions are running through you as you go through this experience. And, and hers were going on as a kid, for Christ's sake, oh she couldn't even God. go to the bathroom. She ends up in the hospital. And why do we end up in the hospital? Because then it's a socially acceptable way to get my parents to show me that they love me. That's messed up. She didn't know she was doing it. She was a kid. But we don't do anything that much different when we're an adult. I will get to a socially acceptable reason to not mm-hmm. go to work. If I really don't want to be at work, I'll get sick. Yeah. Why would you push yourself to getting sick instead of just saying, I hate this job and I'm going to walk away from it, even though it's my paycheck, I'll find another thing to do. But mm-hmm. until we have those dialogues and that trust factor, et cetera, and we examine this is not the fight I'm fighting. That's why that whole story about the fight that you're holographically fighting, figure out if what you're really communicating and fighting and, and discerning is even real. Right. Oh my gosh. And it's understanding. I mean, once you set those boundaries, you start to, to really, um, be able to decipher those things a little bit more. And but it can get, it can get creepy when nothing's real, by the way. I'm just going to throw that oh down. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I mean, seriously, let's let's do that one a little opened up. I mean, it gets really, really freaking weird sometimes when you start to do this work. And you're like, well, what the hell is real? I mean, nothing in my life is real. I've been living this sham of a life the entire time. And then people can get really pissy. And I will say to that, no, 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 because mm-hmm. everything in your life happens with divine timing and divine reasons. And this is another very slippery slope people can go down and go, I've wasted 30 years believing in that. This can happen oftentimes with religion, by the way, when people start to really discern and understand that God isn't necessarily floating on a cloud and that, wait a minute, you mean I can find something different in, even in nature? And then it's like, I've lived 30 years believing that crap. And then they're angry. Mm-hmm. And I come back as a practitioner and say, no, because if you didn't have that investment in time, you wouldn't know the other side of that coin mm-hmm. when you find it and be able to own it so that that's a very important element here well that was a that message is hard to own when you say that um because it took me a while to get through every step that i've gone through in my life all the choices that i've made have brought me to where i am now yeah and i wouldn't be who i am now without going through all of those steps all the skills that i gained the um conflict the personal relationship you know fails or positive relationships whatever that is it it all makes you what you are now do you want to wig your head out just a little more go ahead do it every lifetime that you've had (laughs) okay you just like you're out (laughs) every lifetime right all of a sudden the light bulb just went on when i started this but every lifetime that you've had prior Mm -hmm. to this incarnation is doing the same thing so this is again why people are like Oh, this life, you know, oh, you're a drop in the bucket with this life because it's a life upon a life upon a life where we've gained knowledge and understanding and karmic returns. So mm-hmm. yeah, that can start to blow your brain when you think about that. Yeah. And so that, take that like a ball of twine and unwind it, right? <laughs> I'm never going to look at a ball of twine the same way. Just so you know. <laughs> no, I think that I, and I do like to give people um, really great visuals because that twine. I uh, first of all, I hate twine. I don't even know if it's like around. Well, because anymore. it doesn't feel good in your hands. No. It's like 
a little prickly. Yep. And, and it's gross. But you need it because it's strong. And it like once you make a knot, it's really hard to undo it. But it's like it you is. really can. Or I also equated to when you got your necklace in a in a really bad thing and you got to like take a safety pin or a straight pin to undo the necklace knots. Yeah. And you got to have patience. And it takes focus. And you need to sit there with mm-hmm. this like, okay, this is really worth it. You know, it's mm-hmm. the same thing with the knot in the gut. And so oftentimes... It's good to think about if I'm looking at that knot in the gut, I'm so scared to go in. But the reality of energy is, is it's already in every fiber of the stupid rope, you know, and we think we're scared of the scared, but you're already in the scared and you're playing it over and over. It's like apps on your phone that are continually running your battery down and you're like, why am I so never oh, have a battery? Right? I'm fatigued. Yeah. Why I'm am tired. I so tired? Why do I feel like yeah. crap? I'm going to eat my way through everything that I'm going through right now. Right. Yeah. Which again, isn't going to do your belly any good because that's mm-hmm. the addiction chakra period. So exactly. we've got another loop layer. So yeah, we're loops apart. I'm loops. really curious to see, because this was a new client for you. Mm-hmm. Um, I hope that I shouldn't, well, I, it's not my place to hope, but um, that she, I would be, be really curious to see how she does with all of this yeah. and what she, um, f- you know, kind of figures out or works on. And herself. one of the cool things is she had already come to an intuitive um, decision to leave her job, which she knew that this was draining her. And now oh. I just assisted in putting all the pieces together. And oftentimes when I work with someone who has some psychic abilities, um, they will know intuitively lots Mm -hmm. of things but there isn't like a connect the dots kind of a situation and I love when I get to work with these clients especially when I see their faces it literally is the light bulb ding 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 and they're like oh yeah oh oh I did know that or oh I do own that and so that's a lovely um piece to my work that's Mm -hmm. a gift that I get back again it's not oh I'm right I'm right but I love that they're right they Mm -hmm. found out they were already right I just got to show them the mirror you know so it's Mm -hmm. kind of fun that's you know there's some great silver linings for me so hopefully everybody got a little bit of tidbit out of that a little bit of paranormal normal a little bit of fun but a whole lot of belief systems so as always take what resonates and toss the rest until next time on behalf of Kim and I Cosmic Hugs Thank you so much for listening. You'll hear from us again soon. And for any more information, please check out sworthly.com. Thanks.